And welcome, welcome, welcome to Mecha Dragon, everybody. I am Will, and this is Bob. And today we're talking about the fifth episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier titled Truth. For those of you listening to the show as an audio podcast, I'd urge you to check us out on YouTube, which has become our primary platform of late. And uh, if you are watching on YouTube and enjoy this video, please like and subscribe. So with that housekeeping out of the way, let's get to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Bob. So uh, we did kind of miss our uh, fourth episode coverage uh, for a variety of reasons. So sorry about that to everybody. You know, I just remember at the end of that episode thinking like, oh, I, I knew that, you know, by the end of this episode, it was going to be a sure thing that Sam was going to get his hands back on that shield. And while that wasn't actually the case at the end of that episode, it sure was at a point where there was no way he was not going to get the shield <laughs> at that moment. When Walker killed that dude with the shield and just went totally apeshit on him, I definitely was sitting there with my jaw hanging open thinking, holy crap, they went there. Now, I probably shouldn't be surprised, but just the way that it unfolded was so, um, uh, maybe shocking isn't the right word, but like it was it was just kind of horrifying in a way. Um, do you have any quick uh, things to say real quick about episode four before we get into the meat of this uh, well, Yeah, show, that which... ending, it's not like he was backed into a corner and just defended himself a little bit too vigorously. He, <laughs> right. he, he chased the dude down in the street like a dog and Very executed vigorously. him. Yes. Yeah. Even though he wasn't the person who actually killed Lamar. Yeah. Right? He, he wasn't the guy. Yeah. So that was that. I mean, that was a big moment. They've definitely gone a lot deeper with, with everything uh, than I kind of expect. Or I guess maybe I expected him to like shy away from, from like commentary on like present day society, but they really haven't. And I've, I've really been pleased with the way that the show has, has been doing that. So, okay. So that, that episode four was, was big, a lot of big moments, but there's a lot of really big stuff in episode five too. So Bob, what are your, what are your like general impressions and thoughts and like what really struck you about this episode before we get into like some more specific stuff? In this episode, we finally see the transfer of the shield and I don't think it surprises anyone. <laughs> it's not a peaceful transfer. That Bucky and Sam had to beat his ass and take it. Like, I, I don't think anyone foresaw John Walker being like, oh, I messed up. Here's the shield. Oh, yeah, exactly. Go with my blessing. No, that was oh, yeah. that. that's not how it was ever going to go down. And we said that, too. We said there's no <laughs> way he just, like, hands it over. Yeah. You know, the um, I think what we said was the closest he's going to get to peacefully handing it over, over is if he's unconscious when it happens. <laughs> that's... Yeah basically what happened well yeah i mean they broke his arm and left him on the ground moaning and took the shield and yeah see ya i mean i you know i actually remember saying in one of the previous episodes when we were kind of had some theories and stuff that like i felt one of the most satisfying ways that i could envision that happening would be if uh well i mean obviously they were both going to kind of fight him to to get it back but I thought, well, if Bucky's sort of the last person to tear it away from him and then he hands it to Sam, I thought that would be really satisfying. And that's not like exactly what happened. They kind of both pulled it off of him, you know, at the same time. But at the end of it, when it's on there on the ground, Bucky kind of picks it up and he drops it over by Sam. 
And, you know, that look on his face when he does that was very much like, don't let this shit happen again, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, this time, keep it. Like, don't do this again. Yeah. And, I mean, Sam, like, you know, the shield means a lot of things to a lot of people and all that. But, like, when Sam picks it up after that and he's, like, tries to wipe the blood off, but he can't. And he, like, has this really emotional moment where he's overcome you know, and he he almost is like has tears in his eyes. That was that was a powerful moment, you know, because, you know, I think this show has shown us all the ways that Sam was uh, Sam's feelings of ambivalence maybe were were you know were valid in all these different ways. Like it, I think in that moment he realized, you know, that the shield is such a powerful symbol and that it is kind of on him to make sure that that is honored in, in the right way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, you know, so, and of course Captain America is one of my favorite superheroes from the MCU. And I, and I have to say, like, I did not like when I heard, you know, way back, what was it like eight, 10 years ago or whatever, that they were making the first Captain America MCU movie, Captain America the First Avenger. I did not think that, A, they were going to be able to pull it off and make it, a, like, a very good movie. <laughs> because I just didn't see how you take, you know, this, uh, this very sort of patriotic symbol uh, and, like, turn it into a movie that doesn't get like, I don't know, like too political or like Captain America was just not like, um, you know, the top of my list of like superheroes that were like super awesome. Like I didn't have anything against him, but I just thought it was like in so many ways, maybe too tricky to pull off cinematically, but somehow they did it dude. Right. And they made this character into a guy that is a, is a really stand up guy and you can admire. And frankly, I think they kind of positioned him as like the moral center of the MCU. Um, more so than even Tony, who, you you know, you could argue was kind of the main protagonist of, you know, phases one through three of the MCU in, in certain ways. Right. Um, um, I don't I don't see where you would have the phrase moral center and Tony Stark in <laughs> the same paragraph, probably not even the same page. Um, I mean, he's a hero. He, mm -hmm. he, he definitely put it all in the line to save the universe. But at the end of the day, he was a very damaged human being. Yeah. Yeah. And he certainly came a long way and he certainly, he may have even have had the long, the biggest arc in the whole MCU. Right. Because he, he went from the guy you see in the first few scenes of Iron Man one, <laughs> right. To where he's like, buy my wonderful missiles that will kill people and have a drink on me. And like, I'm a international, you know, playboy and, and like, you know, like and I'll insult you and all this stuff to the guy who sacrifices his life to like save everybody. You know, he literally became the guy that Steve was, you know, uh, busting his balls about in the first Avengers movie where he was like, you know, you're not the guy to lay down on the wire to let, you know, everybody else through. Um, and, uh, and but he became that guy, you know, so props to him. But uh, but what I'm saying about, about about Steve is like somehow they made that work and they turned him into this character that a lot of people have a, a lot of strong feelings about and, and, and an attachment to. Right. And I'm one of those people. And so 
that's part of the reason I think that as viewers of the MCU, as fans, you know, we we get these reactions where, you know, we we really a lot of the fans, you know, dislike Walker and he's obviously a very different character from Steve and and all of this stuff. But like that's that's all there. But I think that this show showed us how the people in the world of the MCU also have this attachment to the symbol of Captain America and how Sam has really struggled with that. And of course, you know, we've talked about how his journey has been one of kind of like acceptance of like, how is he going to carry the torch and does he deserve to carry the torch? Should the torch be carried? Like all of these questions, right? Does that, does that, does that make sense to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there, there, there were several story arcs. That's certainly one of them. Um, you, you see examples where the, the, you know, original Captain America was, you know, like they say, he was an icon and, you know, with all the, the, the pluses and minuses to having that icon, um, he was something we could all aspire to. Yeah. And you see on the other side of that coin, John Walker is almost a cautionary tale. Yeah. And, you know, something you said uh, before in, in one of our earlier episodes about how, you know, this is the power of the symbol that John Walker has been wielding. I mean, prior to, you know, him getting, uh, you know, the mantle of Captain America stripped away from him in, in episode five. But, you know, Steve made that symbol what it is now because of all the reasons that he was the moral center of the MCU and such a great hero and, and all, and, you know, the strength of his personal character and his integrity and all of that stuff. Right. And so when the government, the Pentagon, you know, whoever it was ultimately that made this decision to take the shield from the Smithsonian and give it to John Walker, their perfect soldier man, you know, they, what am I trying to say here? They they took the power of that symbol because they wanted to use it. Now, I think you could definitely argue that they had the best of intentions. You know, I think there's probably some political, uh, you know, PR maneuvering and stuff involved. But, you know, that's just par for the course in politics. But I, I just think um, they imbued him with this this the power of this symbol. And what Zemo said uh, an episode or two ago makes so much sense where it's like, you know, the, the problem with these figures is you start to look up to them and it becomes a symbol and then wars are fought over it and all this stuff. You start to lose sight of the flaws. And that's basically what happened with John Walker, right? Because there, he's not another Steve Rogers for sure. Yeah, you know? when, I, when I start really seeing things I'm thinking – come out of Zemo's mouth repeatedly, it makes me start to worry. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I think that's one reason that Zemo is such a good villain and we'll, we'll get to Zemo uh, later. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, you, you, ha you have to condemn what he did and how he did it. But I mean, if somebody blew up your whole country, you could see being a little salty about it. You know? Oh yeah, totally. You know, and um, it it's yeah it's it's he, he's a, he's a complex character. I like I'm really I think the MCU has gotten to a much better place with the complexity of its 
bad guys, you know? And, and I in think the complexity for, of all their characters. Yeah. Because like in real life, nobody is just one thing. Yeah. And previously you saw in a lot of superhero movies where the superhero was just all good and the bad guy was just all bad and there was no gray in between. Yeah. To make you care about either one as a real person. They were they were all icons, an icon of good and an icon of evil. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's more I want to say about this when we get to John Walker, uh, because I think, you know, he's he's also emblematic of this in, in a certain way. But um, you, you kind of have to I think the MCU almost has to do this uh, because, you know, today's audiences with everything that people have been living through. Uh, for not just the past year with, you know, the pandemic and stuff, but like the past decade, the past like couple decades, even um, things feel more complicated than they used to. Maybe that's because I'm a little older now. Uh, but, you know, uh, the world is constantly evolving. And I, you know, I think they just they kind of have to keep up. So but but this is this is all to say that, like, in that moment when Sam was sort of cradling the shield and trying to wipe the blood off and having that reaction, like all of this stuff came into my mind, right? Like all of these feelings I had about, you know, the character of Steve Rogers and what he created with Cap, you know, in the, the symbol of Captain America and like thinking about like how, what this symbol also means to the population of Earth in the MCU, right? Because it's not like nobody knows who Captain America is, <laughs> and, you know, and, and this is just some, you know, star spangled guy that like jumped out of a window and suddenly like, who's this guy killing a person? Um, so, yeah, so that I mean, obviously, that that is a huge moment that reverberated throughout this whole episode. And I'll tell you, I got a lot of personal satisfaction out of the line Bucky gives when after Walker says, you guys don't want to do this. And like Sam gives him a look and Bucky's like. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Bucky's wanted to do it the whole series. Oh, yeah. And, from and from look, the second the dude touched the shield, Bucky I wanted to do exactly what happened. Yeah, I think he's even said it a couple of times before this, too. And and look, like, they didn't do this lightly either. Like, he had a chance to take it. was literally in his hand before when they were fighting on top of those semi-trucks, right? He caught it when it was, like, flying back, and then he just, like, handed it to him. So, like, you know, they didn't do this lightly. I think they gave John Walker many chances you know to not be uh you know to not do the crap the type of stuff that he did well yeah they definitely know. gave him a chance and he blew up that chance spectacularly yeah yeah um and um i also am continually impressed with uh wyatt russell's acting as john walker and by the way i did not mention this before but you you know that he is the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think you can really see it in his face, actually. Um, but well, yeah, um, if you look at Kurt Russell back in like Escape from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's there. But I mean, I think that that the more this show is going on, the more that I've seen Walker as a very layered uh and realistic, you know, sort like he feels real as a as a character, because I don't think that he's evil, um, but he is a very damaged person who should not have been given the power that he has. Uh, I would say, right? Yeah, there there are numerous and deep flaws. Yeah, 
Um, so what other what other general uh, you know things do you have to say about this episode or like major uh, you know uh, like reaction points that you want to discuss just real quick before we get into our main topics? Uh, got nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, we well we do have a lot to say. Um, more specifically about the episode and our main topic. So so we can get to that. I kind of got off on a tangent there, but like, you know, um, there was some serious stuff going on in this episode. There were multiple points where, you know, I felt kind of emotional. Uh, after the fight with Walker, uh, which I, I found to be maybe a little bit more satisfying than I should have <laughs> when they really gave we me We all did. We all pounding, did. You know, um, that scene with Isaiah Bradley. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. That was that was that was heavy. I mean, that was that was. I mean, in the acting that those guys did, I think you mentioned Car Carl Lumbly's performance. Yeah, Carl Lumbly like, is a fabulous actor. Um, I remember Carl Lumbly. I first saw him back in the eighties in Buckaroo Banzai. He was one of the good aliens. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, he 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 was also in uh, this series called Mantis. He played a uh, paraplegic scientist who made oh. like an exoskeleton and like was a nighttime vigilante with his technology. Oh, I think I do remember that a little bit. And he was one of the first black superheroes, like where he was the main character that I ever remember seeing in a series on TV. Like, I can't, I don't remember anyone before that. Like before, the, before that, it was always like the sidekick or oh, yeah, quad yeah. element or something where Mantis, the focus was him. Oh, yet um, another bit of experience that made him the perfect casting choice for he, this he role. Did, he did. <laughs> um, he was also um, played Dixon on uh, Alias with Jennifer Garner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good show. It was a good, good show. Good show, Alias, yeah. Um, okay. So he's, he's had a very long career. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get to the main topics, shall we? Um, I, I, yeah, let's get to these main topics. Okay. So I, I want to talk about Walker first because he's my favorite MCU punching bag, <laughs> as you know. Um, okay. So let's get to Walker. Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode five finally gave us that sweet, sweet moment we've been waiting for. John Walker getting punched in the face. But seriously, I also want to take a moment to appreciate the fantastic job Wyatt Russell has been doing in playing Walker. This is a character I've been able to empathize with almost as much as I've wanted to punch him in the face. And the fact that he's been able to elicit such strong, sincerely emotional reactions from the fan base shows what a skilled actor he is. But back to geeking out. He may have an ego the size of a small planet, but it's hard not to feel for the guy at least a little bit when he speaks out at his sentencing and says, you built me and I've done everything you've ever asked me to and I've done it well. He's not evil. He's a guy who's devoted his life to serving his country and who became damaged as a result before the mantle of Captain America was set on his shoulders with all the great expectations that came along with it. Then he snapped under the weight of it all. And here's where we can see the big contrast between him and another traumatized character, Bucky. Whereas Bucky undertook a difficult ongoing process to heal, Walker suppressed his emotions even further 
and is focused on revenge. I mean, he lied to Lamar's family about who he killed, and you can just see the vengeful murder in his eyes in that scene. I believed him when he said he wouldn't let the person who killed his partner go. It's just that he hasn't killed her yet. But don't forget the truly epic level of entitlement. He insists he is Captain America, both to Sam and Bucky at his, and at his public sentencing. I think it's this entitlement, this ego, and his jingoistic black and white morality combined with a lack of compassion that made the ass-kicking Sam and Bucky gave him so satisfying for me. And of course, he just can't let it go. He's unrepentant at his sentencing. And in the show's first post credit scene, we see him cobbling together a makeshift Captain America shield and welding it together with his Medals of Honor. So what do you think, Bob? Do you think Walker's gone over the edge? Or has he been in free fall for a while now? How much can you empathize with him? It, it's, it's like they say, pride before the fall. I mean, he was just way too prideful. It was all about him. And, and, and it, it became pretty obvious almost from the first episode we see him as Captain America that at some point he was going to drop the ball. Now, we we probably didn't know how spectacularly he was going to drop the ball, you know, chasing somebody down in the middle of the street and executing him in front of, you know, 200 <laughs> witnesses. But, I didn't uh, call that precisely, but I felt like, like it was going to be. Yeah, he was, he was going to go overboard on something. And boy, did he. Um yeah. And he just he just snaps and goes crazy. He he um, really did, you know, and I, you know, he he really does suppress everything in a way that I feel is in direct opposition to Bucky sort of trying to heal, right? I feel like this episode episode was in a way comparing the two. You know, because while Bucky's trying to climb out of it and to face what he's done, Walker sort of like, you know, closed his eyes, took a deep breath and, and like pushed it all down and was like, all right, back to work. Yeah, but he was so crap at it. I mean, he kept trying to suppress <laughs> just to explode later. Well, that's what happens when you suppress, right? Yeah, but it, it's, it seems like he would suppress and then blow up in like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty unstable guy. I mean, and I think yeah. that I mean, even during his trial, like you, you can tell, like he's mad and he's trying to push it down, and his man is trying mm. to push it down. And like the trial scene is only a few minutes long, and he can't hold it together. Like he had to know, like in front of that kind of world stage, what he did. They were taking the shield and at least demoting him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he's I mean, he's definitely uh, you know, he's definitely gone off the reservation, I think. But but here's the other thing that struck me. Um, I would say the second time I watched the episode, which was last night. You know, he's very upset. And you remember he goes through that part of his, like, outburst where he says, you built me. Everything you ever asked me to do, I did it. And I did it really well. You know, so in a way, they kind of set him up to fail. I mean, he's not really wrong there. And I think that, one of the reasons a lot of people have gone like, you know, I I'm on Twitter and, uh, you know, I, I pursue like Reddit or peruse Reddit and, you know, look through, you know, things online and what the chatter is and how the fans are reacting and stuff. And like one of the things I've noticed is there does seem to be a section of the fandom. And I don't know how actually big it is because you have to wonder, like the most vocal segment of a population is not necessarily, you know, the majority. However... There are some people who 
love John Walker and, um, you know, seemed really, um, uh, seemed to really connect with him on some level. And I think part of what may be behind this is like, look, a lot of people in the world and in the United States in particular, for sure, feel like they've been left behind and that they have followed the rules and that they have worked hard and done everything that, you know, that we were always told that we were supposed to do for the American dream or whatever. But everybody's pissed off because it didn't actually work out, right? Like, you know, in a lot of ways, the society hasn't been doing too well, uh, this, that, and the other. Like, we, I don't, you know, we don't need to get into like a whole like, you know, societal or like political analysis or anything. But I'm just saying like, there is definitely, um, there's definitely a sense of, people being angry because the system is not working for them and and they have felt even betrayed by the system and they maybe have responded to it in a way where some people are like, oh, well, you're crazy. Uh, you're just doing something. Um, uh, you shouldn't have voted for that person. Uh, you're nothing but an awful racist. And to be sure, there are racists out there and and racists do racist things. But I'm just saying, people may respond in a way that is not so constructive. <laughs> people may do bad things, but that doesn't mean that there's not a legitimate grievance. Like this is kind of what I've been talking about in terms of like bad guys and villains in the MCU, right? It's like, Zemo, for example, has a legitimate grievance with the Avengers, with, you know, everything that went down. His family got killed. Uh, Carly Morgenthau has a legitimate grievance in terms of how um, the people in these GRC camps have been treated and are being treated, right? Uh, you could even say that Walker has a legitimate grievance in the sense that they kind of set him up to fail. I mean, he was not... I mean, he went through that whole speech with Lamar, right, uh, in the previous episode where he was like, they're sitting at that table at like a restaurant or whatever. And he asks him if he would if he would take the serum if he had a chance. And they're talking about how, oh, yeah, he got those medals to cover up the fact that it was like the worst day of his life. And they had to do some really awful stuff, basically. Right. Like this is a highly decorated guy, but he's also a highly damaged guy who's highly damaged because he chose to serve his country and they put him into these situations. I'm, I'm, look, I'm not saying that the military doesn't have to do some really difficult stuff that can, you know, that can traumatize people. I'm saying they took this guy who was already damaged and they put the weight of all this Captain America stuff on him and it broke him. And now they're just tossing him away. And so I, you can understand in a sense how he feels betrayed by that and look and but he's but he's also reacting really badly and that's what's moving him on the spectrum towards you know being a bad guy does that make sense yeah i don't want to cuz like Wyatt Russell's doing an amazing job as i said with this character and it's not just this black and white thing to where it's like oh he's evil you know fuck him um or or whatever um i, I don't i don't know i mean like look i i still want to punch him in the face i i still i still you know don't really like him, you know, but 
when I watched it again and I was watching him have that kind of like outburst, I was just thinking about how a lot of people do really feel betrayed because like the system is not working for them and they feel like they followed the rules and it's just, it's still not working for them. So like, what's, what's your take on this, Bob? Um, well, over the last year with the pandemic, we've seen examples of a lot of ways where the system has just let everybody down. Um, there have been some triumphs, but there's definitely been some flaws pointed out to everybody. Uh, now yeah. multiply that times the five years where half the population of the planet was missing <laughs> and then they suddenly come back. If the world as a whole barely held it together for the pandemic, how well are they going to hold it together for something that monumental? It, I mean, oh, really? Yeah, that's that so is a that's great just way a lot of stress just from having lived through that. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a really good point. So I think we're you know we're learning more about how we're in a world in MCU now and at the time of the show that is in a very sort of precarious, tense situation, right? Um, and to that point, in a sense, the you know, we do they do kind of need Captain America again. I mean, at least America does. I mean, I, I'm not gonna speak for like other countries or anything, but you know, that symbol of hope and integrity that sort of that, that sort of Steve sort of turned it into, right? That's kind of what people need. What did they say in some of the early episodes? The world is broken and people are looking for somebody to put it back together. Yeah, right? they want somebody to rally around. Exactly. Um, when, and it when, turns... when everything's falling apart, the man with the plan is a king. <laughs> That's right, with the, the star-spangled man with the plan. Um, but clearly Walker was not the guy to like make that happen, right? Yeah. He I, mean, we, I mean, we, it's we not said just... that We said that from the very beginning, that he was not the man when you measured him against the ruler of Steve Rogers, he just didn't measure up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, you know, he, it's not that it's not like he doesn't have his supporters, but I would dare say that instead of uniting people, he has further divided people because now you're going to have people like, no, he's a murderer. And on the other side, it's like, no, he's an American hero, you know, and you like, I don't I think can... when, when you go to the point of someone laying on the ground, passively begging for their life and you execute them, I don't see how you could label that as heroic under any oh. circumstances. Oh, I don't see how you can either. But I've seen people tweeting that out. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, that's not to say that these are not trolls uh, that are that are tweeting this out and saying this stuff. But I don't think all of them are trolls. Um. But but look, all I'm saying is I think that there is you can imagine a scenario where somebody has the shield and takes on the mantle where they don't create a situation that fosters that kind of division uh, the way that Walker did. And I have a feeling that Sam is the guy who would would have, you know, would be uniting people instead of dividing people, um, to, at least as much as anybody can you know, as much as anybody can. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of how, uh, that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, you know, I, obviously we haven't seen the last of Walker. Um, 
he was in there making his, you know, shield in the garage. The, like, you, the, the hillbilly garage shield. <laughs> yeah, he was like he was like using his medals of honor to like weld it together. So, and, you know, he didn't do it with vibranium. So it's probably just like steel or something. At yeah, most, at most, maybe he got himself a hold of some titanium. Um, at, I don't th- well, I don't think the, I don't think the tools he had would have formed titanium. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think he could have welded just, titanium. Just for the average, you know, person, like, I can go buy titanium if I wanted to. It's expensive, but you can do it. You, you can't just go buy vibranium. Uh, right, so right. when he can't. eventually comes up against Sam and Bucky again, he's definitely going to get whooped again. Yeah, in fact, you know, he, like, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk predictions uh, in a little a while as well, too, but, like, he's going to show up in the next episode and you know he wants to kill Carly and he's gunning for her. And you know that uh, Val, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, uh, you know that she, I think she wants, she's going to want him to kill Carly and and probably further employ him, given that he has the serum in him now. I mean, his arm is already healed. He was using his left arm to make that shield and put that together, you know, Um so, but, but like, look at his face in that post credit scene where he's putting that shield together. Look at his face in that post credit scene. He, yeah, he ain't is, happy. He, he's, I, I think he has gone, gone over the edge. Like, how would you, like, when, when do you think was the moment that he'd well and truly lost it? Was it the moment that, like, Lamar was killed? Was it before he, he then? He headed, he, 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 it, it, the turning point is when, they're having the fight in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they're not even super soldiers where he just gets completely whooped. His, like his... He, he, ex- he sort of expected when he was up against a super soldier that the super soldier would have the upper hand. But right. when a couple of just normal humans, just not only one, but like handily one, like it wasn't even <laughs> close. It wasn't even a fight. It was just him getting embarrassed. They made him look like a toddler, you know, trying to fight an alligator or something. It would um, be like me trying to fight Bruce Lee. I lost twice before I even <laughs> got in the ring. <laughs> yeah. It's not happening. Yeah. So so, I, so so that was too big of a blow to his ego, you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and then everything after that just was just more nails in the coffin mm. of his self-image. Like, his, he just couldn't handle that many losses in a row. It was a lot of losses in a row. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I, I think we're agreed about Walker here. Um, yeah, he's gone full wackadoodle. Yeah. <laughs> he's gone full wackadoodle. Okay, so uh, so let's move on to our next topic. Episode five of Falcon and the Winter Soldier was a big one for Sam. He finally gets the shield back, but he's not sure what to do with it right away. He does finally decide to pick it up and wield it, but not until after he gets Isaiah's story. And let's face it, if he ever learned something that could make him cynical and convince him not to use the shield, it would be what Isaiah went through. But Sam also went home and saw some of the best of America too. Family and community together, working to build something, helping each other. And in the end, we get the Sam Wilson shield-throwing training montage we always wanted, or at least that I always wanted. This episode really slows down to give us a breather between the big action sequences so Sam's story can take the time it needs to develop properly. 
And I think it's gotten a lot of emotional mileage out of holding up a mirror to present day society in a more direct way than a lot of genre fiction. Now, I can't pretend I'm not super excited to see the new suit of Wakanda tech that Bucky got for him, and oh, do I have a theory about what's in that case. But I think the real emotional payoff we'll get from it will be seeing a suited up Sam finally embracing both Steve's shield and the power of the symbol it carries. Whereas Walker has been pretty clear that he feels the power and privilege of being Captain America is his due, Sam's struggle to accept his worth in carrying on that symbol's legacy really shows his humility and that he's thought long and hard about what it means to be Captain America. So Bob, what are your thoughts about Sam in this episode, where he's at in his journey, and him finally getting getting not only the shield, but what's presumably a substantial suit upgrade. What do you think? Well, first off, you see the wings just basically get ripped apart. And, you know, that's definitely not something the little precision screwdriver and tweezers are going to fix at the coffee shop. Talk about a symbol, right? Yeah. Symbolic thing happening. The the Falcon is over now. Yank. Um, (laughs) So and then the, the 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 suit from Wakanda, well, let's just say it's not going to be the 1960s spandex from the Batman show. Uh, it's it's going to be some next level serious technology. Um, you know, like like Bucky's arm. That's you know fantastical technology, and just what is in that box? Like when they when they when they fade to black, and he's about to open the box, and they fade to black and don't show what's in the box. It's like, come on. You're killing us here. Um, yeah, yeah. And, like, uh, and, and we, when we both know, eventually there's going to be some kind of, you know, South Park-esque montage. <laughs> South Park-esque montage? Why? What do you mean South Park-esque? There, there, there was, there was, I, every time I see a montage for like the last 10 or 15 years, I remember this episode of South Park where they did some kind of montage and they had this big song, gotta have a montage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, I think I actually called it um, that he was going to be you have a training montage with the shield in this well, episode. You, you, you almost have to have a montage for that because there's only so many times you see him mess up throwing the shield and then duck when it comes back at a weird angle before you know, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> and they I, only I have did. two episodes left, so it's not like they can just for like four episodes see him biffing up the yeah, shield. Exactly. He's gotta, I, you got to. You got okay. You got four minutes. Learn the shield, dude. Let's go. <laughs> um, I, I did. You know, I did. Uh, I did get a good chuckle out of the one shot where he like throws it long and it goes like wobble and it like hits the tree and falls down. <laughs> it's like because, you know, you're not going to like throw that thing around like Steve was in his heyday, uh, like right away, like without some serious practice. Right. And, it, right. and, you know, I'm also reminded of that moment during the fight in Captain America Civil War where uh, where Spider-Man's like that thing does not obey the laws of physics at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and also, you know, the same guy, like we said before, who was trying to fix the wings at the coffee shop with a couple of little hand tools, <laughs> yeah. still can't get that diesel engine running. And finally, his sister's like, go, just get She's out. Like, Stop playing with things you know nothing like, about. Leave. And Bucky's like, I don't, I don't go barrel rolling and stuff. You don't come down here and mess with the boat. Just go. <laughs> And yeah. it's just brutal. Like his sister is not <laughs> impressed by him at all. Just like no, leave. No, no, not at all. Uh, you gotta love Sam's sister, Sarah. Oh yeah. She she's yeah. awesome. Yeah, she's she's fun. So I, I I mean, you know, it was um 
I think I think that the montage was well placed in the episode and in the show, and I don't think it was too much. You know, it didn't it didn't cross the line into being like cheesy with like you know like a like a song like playing in the background and like he's yeah like it wasn't rocky whatever yeah it wasn't it wasn't rocky Where, like, although now, watching the first rocky you felt like that montage was almost a quarter of the movie it wasn't although, but it now felt i kind of have to go back and get the and put together a montage of <laughs> sam training with the eye of the tiger like i feel like i kind of uh, have to do that now <laughs> that, yeah yeah that'll be good uh so um you know but but with reference to sam you know, like in in terms of him finally coming to terms with like, I guess I better keep the shield, right? And like, like for okay, so let me ask you this. After he meets with Isaiah, right? And and we're gonna talk about Isaiah and that conversation more specifically uh after this, but just in terms of Sam and his journey, like did you I mean, like after he meets with Isaiah, like I wasn't sure what he was going to do after that. Like what, what were your thoughts like about Sam and where he was headed, you know, personally after that meeting, after that conversation, um, maybe it's just me interjecting my thoughts into it, but you almost see Sam like stand up a little straighter and square his shoulders. And he, he, he makes a conscious decision. I believe in that moment that, you know what? He is going to take on that mantle and he is going to make it make a difference. Yeah, I think he feel. I think he's gotten to a point where he feels like it's his duty, in a way, to keep to at the very least keep the shield from like becoming a symbol of like murdering random people. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, that that can't be the last time the shield is seen in public. He's he's got to he's got to salvage that image. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I something I find really interesting. You remember when Carly said, and I think it was in episode four, uh, she said that shield represents all the people who were uh, left behind, right? Yeah, yeah. She said something like that. Thinking about it now, after everything that we've seen, um, and I feel like if if now Sam embraces the sort of the mantle of Captain America in some way and carries that shield around and actually like, you know, wields it, which it appears he will be doing. Um, thank goodness that there is something to be said about the symbolic value of now the fact that Captain America is a black man, an American black man, because now that kind of puts, a wrench in the gears of what Carly said in a way. I mean, it's not like it erases uh, like the history of like the point she was trying to make with that statement. But what I'm saying is it, it almost is a way to um, start counteracting that narrative and sort of making it a symbol that now encompasses, uh, you know, those people that maybe were left behind before, if that if that makes any sense. Like, I feel like it's 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 uh, an evolution of the symbol that gives it the possibility of being inspirational to more people who previously felt like, you know, what what was it that Sarah said when Car uh, when Carly called her um, that, you know, that that government doesn't care about my world. So why should I care about their mascot? 
Well, yeah, any any big system, there's going to be people in that system who feel marginalized by it. Regardless of their reasons for feeling marginalized, whether they're actually in truth being marginalized or not, they're going to feel that way. So they're going to rail against anything that symbolizes that system. So the, the shield, if you're one of the people who feel like you've been left behind, especially after John Walker starts going around and being like attack dog for the GRC, if you feel like the GRC has left you and everyone you care about in the dust, even, even if that isn't necessarily fair, because just think about it, logistically, they have several billion people they have to deal with. So even if they were being run perfectly, it's going to take a lot of time. There's no way they can in a six month period fix half the population of the earth it's well, just going to take yeah. time well it's only been but a few months if you and if, if you are one of the people who are still waiting you don't care how much time it's going to take you have problems today yeah yeah you know and 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 look like you know the grc definitely has like a a, a historic uh, unprecedented problem to deal with um and and it's got to be uh, you know more difficult than most things. <laughs> but but um, as you see but, in the, the scene where like it looks like to be the head of the council talking, they're they obviously don't have the best interests of the planet in mind. They're they're about their own power. It seems like. Oh yeah yeah, which you know it comes as no surprise to anybody who's paid attention. Well, yeah, not to, really shocked. You know to yeah. things. Um, but you know that's not to say that they haven't dropped the ball. Uh, in a lot of ways, which, you know, they seem to certainly have done, which we talked about before. And I don't think uh, I, you know, I, I can't take anybody's argument seriously that says that, like, for example, somebody like Isaiah Bradley doesn't fall under the category of somebody that's been left behind, let's say. So, <laughs> so there's that. But I'm just saying, you know, um, when Sam kind of explains his decision and, you know, what what is it that he says? Um Oh, now I'm forgetting the line. <clears throat> but I mean, the fact that he decides that he's going to he's going to take it up now is a, a hopeful thing. Right. And it's also Sam not giving up. Right. Like, oh, it's what he said to his sister. He's like, you know, what's it all for if at the end of it all? What's all this pain, you know, for if at the end of it all, I'm I'm not willing to get up and, you know, keep fighting. Right. So so that that resonated with me. Um, and I, I thought that, the you know, the fact that it's it would be Sam wielding it now uh, takes a little bit of the air out of Carly's claims or it, it you know, it, it 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 creates the potential for that to be the case, at least. So that's that's kind of what I'm seeing uh, right now. But OK, Isaiah Bradley broke my heart in this episode. No, I was not surprised by his story. Aside from being pretty close to his comic book origin, it's literally the sort of thing that's been done before, super soldier serum aside. If you don't believe me, just Google the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. But this was a man who had gone through so much that you could hardly blame him for being bitter and wanting to be left alone. And watching his conversation with Sam in episode five, I realized how including him in the story was a critical waypoint in Sam's journey. 
If Sam's choice is to accept the shield or not, maybe even whether to continue the legacy of Captain America or not, then Isaiah represents all the very good reasons to be skeptical, cynical, and pessimistic about choosing to try and do so as a black man in America. Obviously, I cannot speak to what that experience is like, but in my opinion, this is why stories like this matter. Film and TV in particular, I think, have this amazing ability to immerse you in another person's point of view and subjective experience. Carl Lumbly just knocks it out of the park with his performance here. And so does Anthony Mackie. Now, I'm not even sure what else to say except that this was such a powerful scene for me and I honestly wasn't sure how it was going to affect Sam and his choices in that moment. So what are your thoughts about this scene, Bob? Um, there are so many people who are already and like Sam's got to take that shield. He's got to be the next Captain America. He's got to do it. And Isaiah makes a good counterpoint to that argument. Hmm. Uh, like when Sam walks in with the shield and goes to take it out, Isaiah's like, I don't even want to see it. Just leave it in the thing, dude. Um, he, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, is yeah. an icon of a country that in the long run failed him. And the only reason he currently has any peace at all is that everybody thinks he's dead. Yeah. Because Sam's like, hey, we, we need to tell your story. It's an important story. And the guy's like, if you talk about me, tomorrow I'll be dead. No one wants to hear this story. It's an important story. It's an embarrassing story for the American government. No one wants to hear yeah. it. Yeah. So just the, the fear of like, you you know, you may refer to Isaiah as somebody who's been left behind, well, he hates the system. He wanted to be left behind. He just wants to be left alone to live out his Well, day. I mean, left behind being a very loose term in, in, in the context of Isaiah. I mean, he got totally effed over, and then he well, was yeah. like, I'm leaving you behind. And then, because... and then somebody, you know, faked his death, and he escaped, and has been, you know, living a very quiet life out of the public eye ever since. Dude just wants to be left alone to water his plants and, you know, live his life. Hang out with his grandson and just. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like it's it's so interesting because the story he tells about what happened to him parallels what happened to Steve so much. I mean, obviously, some details are different, you know, but like he disobeyed orders to go save his men and came back. And whereas Steve was hailed as the conquering hero and elevated, you know, to like almost like mythical, you know, legendary status in American society, this guy was covered up, imprisoned, experimented on for 30 years. And, and the only way he got out of that was because, you know, somebody uh, helped him fake his death, basically. Yeah, so, well, I mean, one of the differences among many, one of the differences, Isaiah wouldn't save people that the American government didn't want them saved. Yeah. They, they yeah. wanted to bomb that prison camp to hide what they did because that was. Because they did not want anybody to know that they were experimenting with at, super soldiers at best, here among a bunch of unethical. black people. At best. It, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, and it's, and that was all very traumatizing for him. So it's like when he says he doesn't even want to see the shield. When he says, do not tell people this very important story because, uh, you know, I'll probably end up dead the next day or, you know, whatever the implication is like, yeah, you, you get it, you know, like I, I empathize. I mean, you know, I, I can't like, you know, really understand what that all must have been like personally, but 
holy cow, like that's f that's awful, dude. Yeah, we've all seen the spy movies where somebody has information they would have better off not having. And then do they spend the whole spy movie trying to escape, you know, rogue government agents who are trying to shut that up? Yeah. Um, so it's, so, I mean, that was, I mean, those, the acting in that scene was, it was, it, it hit me hard. I mean, you know, it's an emotional scene and, you know, you're right. It's, it's the other side of the argument, right? It's like a lot of the fans have been saying, you know, for the longest time, well, ever since the end of Endgame. Like, yeah, Sam should, you know, we want Sam to wield the shield, basically. Wield the shield, Sam. Hashtag wield the shield. Um, but the other side of that, the other, you know, argument is what is what um, Isaiah says. And that's, I, I think in a way, you know, what he's been saying, I mean, not Sam didn't know all the details of his story, you know, before that conversation. But in a way, that's the kind of stuff that, made Sam really ambivalent about it and made him give it up in the first place, I think. Um, so, uh, if, if you, if you, uh, wonderful folks watching this have comments about this, uh, we would love to hear what you think. Uh, type it down in the comments or, uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter at Mecha Dragon Show or email us at mechadragonshow at gmail.com. So, but yeah, any, you have anything else to say about, uh, Isaiah and this, and this whole, uh, scene with him, Bob? Um, I'm, I'm just curious as to what happens to Isaiah after, you know, episode six of the series. Yeah. You know, I have to say that when this all started and there was like just rumors that Isaiah Bradley was going to be in it. And even after the first scene with him, I was thinking, well, there's a chance that he actually shows up and like kicks some butt. But now I really doubt that's going to happen. Um, and, and, and actually, to me, that even feels more realistic, you know, because him showing up and like, you know, being like, all right, I'm suited up and here to help feels more like sort of a brainless summer blockbuster than the very thoughtful, you know, dramatic television show that we have on our hands right here. Well, yeah, Isaiah doesn't even want anybody to know he exists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so. It's, it's unlikely he would have the information channels of, oh, they're in trouble. I should go help. It, it'd, be, it'd be more like shaking his head like. I, I told, told him I, that was stupid. I told him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you know, I mean, I, I guess we'll see. But I, I at this point, I, I really doubt that he's going to show up in an action capacity. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but, you know, who knows? I, I guess I guess we'll see. Okay, so I think we should move on to our next topic. And uh, our next topic is going to be the bond between Sam and Bucky and their sort of developing relationship. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier Episode 5 not only showed us Sam and Bucky growing closer as friends while fixing a boat and playing Vibranium Frisbee, but settled once and for all that the therapist Bucky needed all along was Sam. Maybe it's because of all they've been through together or Bucky finally seeing the same thing in Sam that Steve did, but the metal-armed former assassin finally genuinely opened up and let Sam counsel the shit out of him. Bucky was there for Sam and his family, helping him with the boat and all, and they opened their home to him. 
it's got to be the most non-homicidal human contact he's had since 1943. I think this is also the most growth we've gotten to see in Bucky since Steve sacrificed so much to help him in Captain America Civil War. Now, if both Bucky and Walker are traumatized soldiers, Bucky is the one making an effort here to take a good look at himself and heal. He gave the shield back to Sam rather than trying to take it as his own, despite having a much stronger personal attachment to it than Walker. Bucky is the one adhering to a personal rule not to hurt people. The contrast is just interesting to me. It's why one is a good guy and the other is a guy we constantly want to punch in the face. And it's clear Bucky's developing friendship with Sam is good for him. He actually smiles in this episode more than once. They may bust each other's balls a bit, but they've got each other's back in a way that I think they didn't quite before. Bob, what are your thoughts about this burgeoning friendship and where Bucky is in his journey and how that compares to Walker? What do you think? I think the scene that really brings it home is when they go to split up and they're like, okay, we're a team. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're partners. Well, maybe we're coworkers. Like they, 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 they try use less and less and less personal terms to define their current relationship. Like they're not going to get all mushy and be like, I love you, bro. I love you too, bro. That's not, we're not going to see that scene with those two. Right. But, but that's just them. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's not, that doesn't mean that they're not on good terms or anything. It's just, means Oh yeah. That, they're like, they're yeah. I, I think, I think they're the, just the bonding they had with Bucky yeah. helping fix the boat and, you know, Sam, you know, accepting Bucky to the point of here, come stay with me and my family. And, you know, family is really important to Sam. If Sam had any, even the s smallest shred of doubt about Bucky, He'd been like, yeah, you should go get that hotel. See you later. I, I would even say that the way that they're busting each other's balls is the evidence that they're growing closer. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's not, that's like, you know, that's the way that you deal with a guy friend of yours, basically. You know, I mean, maybe not, that's not how everybody does it. But like, you know, these guys, um, that's how they do it. That's, that's definitely the kind of relationship that I've had with friends in my life. <clears throat> maybe uh such as with yourself you son of a bitch Perhaps. um but um <laughs> but you know that kind of thing and i, I also want to say i got a real kick out of when bucky was flirting with sarah uh that that gave me some laughs and you know from the shit-eating grin on bucky's face after he does it the, the first time that he knows that it's getting to Sam and that's exactly why oh, yeah. he's doing it. Oh yeah. <laughs> but also I think there is one other reason that he is, you know, kind of flirting with Sarah. And it's, I think it has to do with ha the fact that like, she knows who he is and she doesn't give, she doesn't care. She knows that he was the winter soldier or whatever, but to her, she's just Sam's friend and she still smiles at him. You know, yeah, and she like, still kicked him out with Sam. Like, <laughs> yeah. bye. Like, like, not impressed. Yeah. Get your ass out of here. Like, you and your robo arm. Go do something else. It, I got yeah. to actually fix this, you two idiots. Exactly. Like, think back to, you know, think back to uh, the date that uh, Mr. Nakajima set him up with, uh, with, with that uh, girl from the bar or whatever, the bartender lady. Like, it wasn't like they had a horrible date. I mean, it sort of ended awkwardly. Abruptly. And not, nuts and abruptly. <laughs> but, like... You know, she's asking them these questions. It's like, well, how old are you anyways? And he's like, 
106 and she laughs and he's like takes a drink <laughs> and she asks him about his arm why he wears his gloves and he's like uh poor circulation which is not technically a lie since he has zero circulation in that arm it being made of vibranium and uh, not veins yeah. but it's like you know that she would have had a reaction to the real full answers to those questions that would not have been strictly conducive to the date going well right right so I think that that's a deliberate contrast on the writer's part, at least I would think so. And it's it's also, you know, because it's like what Sam said. It's like when Bucky's like, all right, I guess I'll go get a hotel and, you know, see you later. And Sam's like, you're really going to set me up like that, huh? <laughs> and he's like, why don't you just sleep on my couch? And he says, it's like, look, these are some of the best people in the world. Like, they don't care if you got, five, you know, an extra toe or, you know, this or that or the other. It's like, you know, you're you, they understand that you're a person. And I think that that was actually big for Bucky. It, you know, not necessarily in that moment, it being like hugely impactful and him being like, oh, like in that moment. But he hasn't been treated that way, I don't think. And like, I think if you think, if you look back, like they showed us very little of his like apartment or wherever he was living uh, before. But like, in the moments when we do see it and he's like watching the TV of Walker, you know, having the shield, like being introduced to Captain America, it kind of looks like he's an apartment that like doesn't even have any furniture. Yeah. It's like a one room efficiency apartment with no furniture. Yeah. So I, I like, and you know, in this episode, you know, we've got this shot of him like waking up and like the kids are playing with the shield and he gets like a smile out of it. And then he like goes to the ship and he's sort of standing there as the sun rises. That's definitely symbolic. Um, I mean, he's he's definitely turning this corner, right? And the stuff that he tells Sam, like particularly about admitting to the fact that he's having nightmares all the time and he's afraid that that means the Winter Soldier is, you know, still in him. Like that's exactly the stuff that he did not want to talk to Dr. What's-Her-Face about. Right. You know? Because on the one hand, I think he recognizes the need to, like, work through these issues. But on the other hand, like, she's hired by the government to go in there and, you know, probably keep tabs on him as much as it is to, like, counsel him. Right. And so y you, you could understand that, you know, in a way, you know, in addition to maybe him not being ready psychologically to, like, get into that is like him having some reservations about, like, revealing that stuff to her, I guess. Am I going too too far on a limb out here on this, Bob? Like, there's there's definitely more of Bucky opening up now than he did with his therapist. A lot of the interactions with the therapist were basically the therapist busting his chops. Like, hey, you got to do your therapy, or you're going to go back to jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 we see Bucky just more naturally open up, especially in the scene where, you know, he's talking to Sam is like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on. This is why I busted your chops so hard when you gave up the shield. Mm -hmm. And it was real interesting uh, what Sam told him about, like, it's like you're you're not going to, like, you know, feel better trying to make amends the way you've been doing. And he says, like, you've been avenging, not amending. Right. Because you have to be of service. It's not about you feeling better. It's about you making them feel feel better in terms of people that that you wronged when you were the winter soldier and i think the fact that through the course of this episode bucky had made himself of service and how that was good for his psychological well-being 
I think it made Sam's advice resonate even more to him, right? And so I have this feeling that we're going to see him being of service to Mr. Nakajima early on in either early on or like in the epilogue at the very end of the final episode next week. Um, that's, I, that's what I have a feeling of, but, but what, what did you get? Like, what did you get from this episode out of, you know, Bucky and like where he's at with his journey? Cause Sam is getting close. I think at the end of this episode to, you know, completing his arc for the show. But like, what are your thoughts on like Bucky and what he's went through and where I he's think at? that Bucky is finally starting his journey. Oh. I think he was doing therapy because he was told to like do mm. therapy or go back to the prison. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. But he's finally turned a corner where he understands what he really has to do to heal. Hmm. And he finally has started to really do that. So he's, he's finally kind of out of denial in a way is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. He's, okay. he's, he's, he's putting forth the work for himself, not because he was told to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. For himself this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, uh, there have been moments in the show up to this point where, you know, like think about that scene, that flashback to when Aya was helping him out in Wakanda and she calls out the words and he kind of, he has this like breakthrough where it's like, doesn't turn him into the winter soldier anymore. That was like, oh my God. Like, I feel like that guy deserves an award just for like acting in that scene alone. <clears throat> but I feel like this is kind of the most we've got from Bucky's journey so far in this particular episode. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see like what, what, uh, you know, this means for him in the final episode and where he goes with this and what he does with Mr. Nakajima. So, but we can talk about that more uh, uh, later. Okay. You have anything else to say about Bucky? Nope. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. I really enjoyed the scene in episode five where Bucky brings the Dora Milaje to nab Zemo. It definitely shows that Bucky is serious about turning over a new leaf, though in a cheeky tit-for-tat hearkening back to Zemo calling out the old activation words when Bucky came to visit him in prison, he's not above pulling the trigger of an unloaded handgun to see how Zemo reacts. That was kind of fun. Clearly, Ao still has some fondness for Bucky, and that part of the scene was great, and it is always good to see Ao. But what I haven't seen much conversation about is what Zima was doing there and what his plans were. Now, clearly, he expected Bucky and the Dora to find him, and I think he was hoping they would kill him. He looked right down the barrel of that gun and didn't flinch. Moreover, he was just waiting there at the Sokovian Memorial. You can almost imagine that the family carved into the stone there are Zemos. Personally, I think he was waiting to be killed so he could be with them again. Zemo's a great villain because he has a legitimate grievance you can empathize with and because he actually has some principles. He even has a good argument about why super soldiers shouldn't be created. The show has been setting up this question of do the ends justify the means? Remember that Machiavelli book he had in prison? And clearly Zemo comes down most firmly on the affirmative answer to that question. Now, Bob, a few questions for you. What do you think about this scene? What's your reading of the relationship between Io and Bucky? And where do you place all the main characters in this show in terms of their answer to the question, do the ends justify the means? Okay, after uh, Zemo says, hey, Bucky, um, I'm not going to kill you. 
and I crossed my name off of your book. I've, you know, I forgive you, whatever you did, you felt you had to, we're cool. He's, he, he feels he, as best as he can, has completed his mission about the super soldiers. Mm. He, yeah, you know, he's, he's destroyed all the serum that he knows about. He, you know, the, the, the only other serum is coursing through the veins of people and he's expecting that the upcoming fight is going to take care of a lot of that. Yeah. So in his mind, he's like, okay, I've pretty much, I've done what I can do. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to go to prison or, you know, wherever I'm going, wherever Bucky's going to send me. And then he sees, you know, Bucky puts the gun in his face and he kind of, when you hear the click, he kind of flinches a little bit, but not really in fear, more of surprise. Like, yeah, I'm not dead. And I think right before then, he even gives Bucky like a little nod, like, I'm ready. Like, yeah. I'm ready to go, dude. All right, and let's face do it, it. Yeah, and face it, Zemo's a guy who thinks like 10 steps ahead. Right. Like, you he know. knows. Like, when he talks about, when he points out, hey, you've never been to the Sokovia Monument. And then stands there waiting for him. And he's like, I expected you a long time ago. Like he's obviously <laughs> yeah. been there waiting on him to show up. It's not like yeah. he went there to say his goodbyes to his family and then bounced and tried to run away. He yeah. waited there for Bucky. Yeah. Yeah. He. he I mean, come on. It's like, is the Dora Milaje not going to find you? <laughs> you know, he knows that this is coming. And so, yeah, I think he is prepared for whatever is going to befall him. But I... I did kind of get the impression that he wasn't opposed to them killing him in a way, you know, or at least that he accepted. Well, he he accepted that as a likely outcome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, I thought that was real interesting. And the the other thing about this scene is like, so so Ao at some point says, you know, I you know you should make yourself scarce in Wakanda for the time being, White Wolf, and he's like, fair enough. And my reading of that was because, you know, everybody in Wakanda knows that he, you know, helped Zemo get out or something like that, probably. Yeah. I mean, she, on a personal level, understands, like, I get it. But, you know, that her loyalties lie with Wakanda. Oh, yeah. And he's basic, Zemo is basically the most hated man in Wakanda. So <laughs> yeah. while, while she kind of gets it and, you know, doesn't fault Bucky for it. She can't just be cool with it. Yeah, I got the impression that she still, you know, I think she she does care about Bucky. She does, because he immediately is like, oh, and I have a favor to ask. Immediately after she says, <laughs> right. Stay dude, you're in trouble. He's like, yeah, I'm in trouble. I get it. Can you do me a favor? And she stops and listens like, okay, let's hear it. Yeah. Like, she doesn't just, she doesn't just, you know, flip him the bird and be like, no, dude. It's, it's Don't also go her away. Yeah, it's, and it's also her face when she's telling him that and the tone of her voice. I mean, just her acting in this. You know, she, you get the impression that she's, you know, it's almost like she's scolding a child. You know, may, maybe that's a bridge too far, but it's like, don't do this, but like, I still care about you, you know? Well, it would be but, like me telling you off. It's like, dude, you messed up. <laughs> I don't hate you because I've known you since we were four, but yeah. you still messed up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, you know, she, I mean, from what we've learned in this show, it seems like she was the one sort of like training him or helping him get, you know, to this point where he's not, he's got the brainwashing like all sorted out and like out of his system. Like obviously Shuri did something to his brain, 
right? But that he still needed like some work after that. And she was there to do that work with him. And so how do you go through that whole thing and not and not care about that person? And didn't she say at the end of that flashback scene that she was proud of him or something like that? Um, it, you were given that impression if she doesn't it, out, it was come just right out the tone it. of her voice maybe yeah. but she was like she was like you're free and I felt like she was in a sense proud of him in that moment or you know I don't know if that's quite the right word but like I they have a relationship where she does not hate him you know right and so therefore you know she wasn't there to like try and take him into custody or anything I think like you're right like she gets it but she's like you screwed up and like you know, uh, and, and here we are. And she did that favor for him, obviously. Obviously. And the other thing, the other thing this made me think of, uh, which this is why I like to watch the episode a couple times because I, you know, different things occur to me like on the second watch through is like, <sighs> okay. So you remember in Black Panther, the kind of reason, one of the results at the end of the plot, like at the end of that movie was Wakanda deciding like, okay, we're going to be less cut off from the outside world and we're actually going to start sharing some of our technology in ways that we think is appropriate, right? We're not going to be shipping weapons out to people, but like we're going to be doing stuff, right? Um, so that, so to me, like I feel like they would not have done this favor for Bucky prior to the events of Black Panther, right? But now when... T'Challa is king and he has this new policy of like, we're going to help out, you know, our brothers and sisters around the world, uh, not by, you know, shipping out mass quantities of, of weapons and doing arms sales and like trying to foment some type of worldwide rebellion, like, uh, like what's his face was going to do, but like, you know, we're going to, we're going to try and help the world. Well, I think that's kind of what they're doing with giving whatever they gave to, to Sam. Um, so, so that's, that's how I feel about that. Um, it's, I mean, it's not a big thing, but that connection just kind of occurred to me, you know? Right. Okay. Do you have anything else to say about this scene and, uh, and Zemo and, uh, and the, and the Dora? Um, well, they take him to, you know, that, you know, Marvel prison. The raft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that actually so, says to me that they're keeping Zemo in their back pocket for possibly something yeah, down the line. They're not like, okay, we're going to take you at stand trial and then we're going to execute you. It's like, you're going to spend the rest of your days here. So it, it you know, is that setting up, you know, the, the, the Marvel version of the suicide squad? What was, what was, <laughs> what was that? The Thunderbolts well, or something? It, it's interesting. You know, the raft uh, does exist in Marvel comics and I don't know if that's what they actually call it, but they do keep a lot of like super powered people there. Yeah. And so, and you know, they set this up way back in Captain America civil war. Right. Well, yeah, so I have a they feeling Captain America and everybody that they one had day up. down the line, they now have the raft as a thing where they can say, Oh, by the way, we've been like, just throwing all kinds of powered people in there. And now, oops, something happened and it's a big problem. And now we have to have a movie or a show about how we have to fix it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I feel like that could be down the line. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and Zemo is an interesting character because he could very well be the guy who like makes 
the problem happen at the raft, or he could be the guy that all the super people leave behind that the heroes go to and be like, what do you know <laughs> to help us get all these superpowered people and that he would help them. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that could happen either way. So, okay, let's move on to our next topic, uh, which I think is our final topic. And I want to talk about uh, <laughs> Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. We finally got that long-awaited special cameo in episode five of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I had hoped we might get a peek at Tatiana Aslani as superhero lawyer extraordinaire pre-She-Hulk Jennifer Walters, but we didn't get that, nor was it Mephisto. Nope, we got Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, played by comedy legend Julia Louis-Dreyfus. In the comics, Val was also known as Madame Hydra, and Madame Hydra at one point ruled Madripoor. She knew about Walker, including that he had taken the serum, and she seems to want to recruit him. Now, I think it's a safe bet that she's the power broker and wants to give Johnny Boy the job he desperately wants, namely to murder the heck out of Carly and her super flag smashers. So where does Sharon fit in? In the comics, Val also ran a group of female super spies called the Femme Force. And guess who was on the roster? You guessed it, Agent 13, none other than Sharon Carter. Chances are Sharon is working with or for Val in some capacity, even if it was mostly a matter of survival originally. Because remember, Sharon has been a fugitive for the better part of a decade at this point. Now, Bob, what was your reaction to this scene with Val? Do you think she's the mysterious power broker? And what do you think of the idea that Sharon is working for her? Um, well, I mean, they still haven't, revealed who the power broker is yet so i mean really at this point it could be anybody um and i hope that's something that they reveal in episode six or i'm going to be mad um but <laughs> how could they not when, at this point when 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 val shows up part of me in the back of my head is just remembering that dance on seinfeld where she's <laughs> oh yeah yeah you remember that oh yeah, yeah. like oh, yeah, in, so in the back true. of my head that's the first thing i saw when i saw her and I'm like, no, that's not who she is here. Um, no. And then when she says her name, you know, that reveal, it's like, oh, oh, she is, she is serious here. Um, yeah. She, she and, could be, you know, she could be the the remnants of Hydra that they were worried about in earlier episodes. Yeah. And by uh, the way, be, she could be the power broker. I mean, there's lots of underlying story there that I hope they get to. Yeah. And by the way, spoiler alert. Um, as if we haven't already been talking massive spoilers, she the rumor is she was actually originally going to appear in Black Widow as that character. But of course, that movie got pushed back so much. Uh, so we're actually getting her here initially. But yeah, I mean, um, so I, you know, I think it's a good bet that she's the power broker and that she's working with Sharon. Um, I don't know that, she, I mean, Sharon is obviously like pretty jaded at this point, but I don't know that she would straight up just betray Sam and, you know, like, I mean, maybe she's indirectly working against him in the sense that she's working for the power broker or something, but I don't see her, like, if she has a choice where it's like, uh, door number one, stab Sam in the back directly, door number two, uh, help Sam not die in this moment, I, I feel like she's going to pick door number two, still, even? Yeah, but who, I mean, but she, I mean, she could have easily just let them be overrun at the secret lab. Um, so, I mean, mm. for, for, for her, whatever her reasons are, 
she's helping the fellows right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I feel like Sharon is still good at heart, but she's just had a rough go of it. Um, but I mean, I, I guess we'll see, you know, um, but I have trouble. I have trouble believing that Sharon will have fallen so far that she's now going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you kill Sam. You know, whatever. Um, I, I don't I don't really see that happening. But I, I'm pretty excited, actually, to see Julia Lewis-Dreyfus in this because um, I did not expect to see her. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that actress, I, I, I love it. I thought she was hilarious and, and, and powerful in that scene. Um, and um, she was saying a lot of the stuff that I think John Walker wanted to hear. And actually... I think she probably had a good point when she was saying that stuff of like, look, these guys don't really care that you murdered that guy. Uh, they're just pissed off because you created a PR problem for them, basically. Yeah, you made them look bad. Um, I, I, I think whether she believes it or not, she was purposefully saying exactly what he wanted to hear. Oh, yeah, of course she was, you know. Um, she was working him. She wa like, And look, if you assume that she is the power broker... The power broker was trying to get some super serum so she could employ some super soldier type goons, right, for her. Uh, and now she found a guy who fits the bill. One basically. of the few remaining super soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, and she if you're interviewing for a job and you go in and the boss are and the guy and your and your prospective employer knows that you already did the thing really well that they want you to do, you're more likely to be hired. Well, he's already killed one of the flag smashers and the power broker has it out for the flag smashers, right? Yeah, definitely. So like, you know, why not harness that and put it on your payroll, I guess, you know, villain yeah. logic. So, um, so yeah, so I see, you know, her, basically I see her contacting Walker to be like, Carly's in New York get your ass to New York. Uh, and you know, maybe, maybe that was a bad reference, but like she's, that's how he's going to find out that she's in New York and you know, it's all going to converge on like the GRC building or something, you know, and it's going to be like Sam and Bucky versus Walker versus the flag smashers ver versus, I don't even know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I so but also with the idea that she's uh, a character that makes an appearance at some point in Black Widow, like I feel like this is a character that's going to be in the MCU now and that, you know, might be, you know, doing some stuff behind the scenes and we're going to get to see some more stuff. And I'm there for it because I love Julia Lewis-Dreyfus. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, um, but do you have anything else to say about this, like just little scene that we had with her her character it, it, it just brings in more question marks and they only got one episode left they need to start answering questions not make them more uh they do they i do. mean how long is the last episode five hours i mean they gotta wrap this up <laughs> well i think you know her character it, it, i think that they're teeing her up for like a continuing presence in the mcu so i wouldn't expect us to learn like everything about her by the end of this show um, but this might be a good transition into our uh, theories and predictions, of which, you know, I don't have too many. Um, but basically, I, I do think that the our, our last major action set piece is going to be in New York, and it's going to involve this plot of the Flag Smashers to stop the GRC, right? And as we know, Sam now understands that they're in New York and they're 
going to be doing something there. So he's going to reach out to Bucky. So they're going to travel there. I think Val is going to tell Walker he's going to show up with his new whatever his new uniform is. Or maybe he'll even use the old one and his new like, you know, steel shield or whatever he's made it out of. Tin foil, you know, whatever we got. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and it's all going to converge, right? And it'll probably be a very public thing. And I bet you any money that the suit that the Wakandans made for Sam, whether it has wings or not, is red, white, and blue. <laughs> How much you want to bet, <laughs> okay? And that he's going to, you know, he's going to make a big entrance with the shield and his new suit on. You know, and it's going to be a big moment. Um, I that I feel that that is going. Do you, what do you think the odds are of that? Um, I maybe sixty forty. I mean, I I don't oh, think okay. I don't think it, I don't think it's a done deal. Um, even 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 Captain America at some point did not have the Star Spangled spandex, and he had a darker uniform on. Well, so, true. I I just think that um, I don't necessarily know that Sam is going to call himself Captain America, but I think that his suit is going to be red, white, and blue. And I think that like, you know, the news anchors and like the public might stall, might start calling him Captain America. But I, I you know, that's, who, who, I, that's just what I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be quite a fight, you know, and Walker's going to be there basically just trying to straight up murder the flag smashers and his narrative will be something like, hey, uh, guys that just, uh, you know, tried to, like, punish me and strip me of, like, my pension and all this stuff. This is what I was trying to tell you about. The Flag Smashers are here to, like, murder the the GRC and, like, all of that. And so that's going to sort of be, like, his sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And then he's going to just try and, like, kill them all, basically. Um, and Sam's going to be there, you know, like, look, we don't have to murder everyone and this doesn't have to be a war. Yeah, it doesn't um, have to be a massacre. We could all just pipe down. Right, and, you know, yeah. and figure something out. So, I've, you know, I don't know how it's going to resolve, but I have a feeling that that action set piece is going to be a big part of the final episode. I think we're going to get, at some point, either at the beginning or at the very end of the episode, we're going to get Bucky, you know, finally dealing with Nakajima, Mr. Nakajima. And I don't know that he's going to straight up be like, I'm the guy who murdered your son, but he might just be like, you know, I happen to know what happened and there was this assassin and your, you know, your son really was there wrong place, wrong time. You know, he's going to phrase it in a way that's like going to hurt the guy the least without like actually like lying to him about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's he's, he's going to try to give him closure, I think. Yes. Um, I think that might be a good post credit scene. Well, that wouldn't be in a post credit scene, I don't think, because the post credit scenes they typically use to like tee up like the next thing you know like you remember in wandavision spoilers for wandavision uh the post credit scene at the end of the show was wanda like studying the dark hold and you know like like teeing up doctor strange in the multiverse of madness essentially right 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 so i don't know exactly what it's going to be maybe it'll be a loki thing maybe it'll be a black widow thing maybe it'll like I, i'm not quite sure what the what the final thing is going to be um or it could honestly just be whatever Sam and Bucky are into next, right? Um, so, or you know, maybe it'll be uh, Val. Maybe it'll be Val, like, contacting, like, another villain, or, you know, or sending, like, John Walker into, like, you know, mess up 
the Hulk or something. Probably not that. But maybe it'll be those characters instead is all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, that's that's kind of what I got, dude. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of what I got. You got any other thoughts or predictions about what we're going to see in the film? No, there's just, there's just so many question marks they left hanging everywhere that it... it I, I, oh. I don't even want to call it at this point. I, I here's, think here's we're a, all going to be surprised. Yeah. Well, here's here's a question. Like, what do you think is going to happen with Carly? Because I feel like in the scene we got with her towards the end where she's like, don't you know, we're criminals now. I feel like she's kind of embraced the like, OK, I guess we're going to have to, like, just kill people and do bad things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another instance of I don't want to agree with Zemo, but I think she's gone too far. Um, she's, she's committed to doing things that you can't just forgive at this point. Yeah. I think, I think that's the big remaining question, right? Is like, can't, has she gone, is she now irredeemable or is she redeemable? And I think that that's what Sam is going to have to decide. I think there's going to be a moment where, uh, it's like, you can have Walker on this end being like, no, we must murder her. <laughs> and Sam on the other side be like, no, I can talk her down or at the very least, you know, stop her without more bloodshed. Right. And Bucky being sort of more, maybe more towards Sam's end, but like, like, uh, does Zemo have a point here or, or is, is Sam a hundred percent right? Like, I don't, I don't think he's like leaning towards just killing her but i think that it's more of an open question in his mind yeah uh, i i think sam will do whatever it takes to take her in alive yeah i just don't know that she will allow that to happen yeah yeah so it you know it might it, it, it might come down to the line so you know, I, again i i don't know okay how, how about this over under 50 percent that carly uh is convinced by Sam to to take it down a notch and be more, you know, be less uh, bloody about things. I think history is going to repeat itself. Sam's going to reach her, but John Walker's mm. going to force the issue and she's going to end up getting killed anyway. Yeah, yeah. God, I think you're right about that. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I think you're probably right about that. I think probably a bunch of her buddies will die. I don't know if all of them will, but I wouldn't be surprised if all of them will. Cause like how many super soldiers do we want hanging in the wind after this show is over? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, they could all get locked up with Zemo, which I think would oh, be a little bit true. poetic for Zemo to just have to hang out with super soldiers all day. <laughs> you know what? That, that could be likely. I think some of them will definitely get killed probably by Walker or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. I, I think that maybe like Carly, uh, and like one or two other ones might survive and they just get sent to the raft. Um, so that'd be, that'd be interesting. Um, that'd be interesting. So, and then, you know, Sam, I see at the end, like at the end, if I had to guess, you know, I think that it'll be more, like I said, I don't know that he's going to be like, I'm Captain America now, but it'll be, well, I got the shield. And I'm just not going to let Steve's legacy become what Walker was turning it into. And yeah. then like and then like the news is all like, oh, the new Captain America, you know, whereas that's being put on him. 
rather than him pulling a walker and being like, don't you know who I am? Kind of a thing. Yeah. You think you think that's more than likely to be true, or would um, you say it's, I, it would... I think I think there's a good chance of that. Um, well, what what's the other way you think it could go? I think that it's possible Sam might see. I mean, they've been talking a lot about icons, and Sam might see the need for a more positive icon after the disaster that was John Walker. And that he may more aggressively take on the Captain America role just I to see. fix it. Right. Just because he feels like out of necessity. Like he has to repair the damage John Walker did yeah. to that legacy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Okay. In other words, you're saying he might actually reluctantly say, okay, I am Captain America. Yeah, I'm Captain America. I uh, will show you what John Walker should have been. Mm. okay interesting okay well i think those are our predictions and theories folks um i can't think of another loose thread i mean i mean there's there's isaiah's out there but again i don't i think it's probably more likely that he does not show up i, I really yeah don't. he's he's he seems to want nothing more than to be left alone yeah i i didn't see anything that would have like turned him around at that point. Now, that's not to say that he might make an appearance later in the MCU in another movie or something. I don't know. Maybe if there's a real, like there's a good way for them to do that, I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't see him getting involved in like the final fight. Like maybe he shows up in at the very end of the episode and he's like, hey Sam, like, okay, not bad. You know, something like that or- Some kind of like mentorship role with Sam. Yeah, or maybe he even figures into the post credit scene. Like, probably not, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get, like, one more little peek at him, I guess. But I don't expect him to, like, show up and fight in the big battle at the end, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, because, you like, you have him with Super Soldier Serum old against a bunch of, you know, better in shape, younger people with <laughs> Super Soldier Serum. Right, right. Um, it, it wouldn't be like your average, you know, 20-something against him with the super soldier serum it's we'd be up against other super soldiers right well i guess in that sense you could say it sort of equalizes so it would be sort of like maybe like a 50 year old guy versus like a 25 year old guy so it, it's not like he doesn't have a, a chance in hell or anything but like he's going to be at a slight disadvantage because of his you know yeah age kind of a thing so not okay. a spring chicken not, not a spring chicken folks so this was our episode uh, about episode five of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, you know, please hit us up on social media at Mecha Dragon Show on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to shoot us an email, it's mechadragonshow at gmail.com. And please let us know what you think about all of this down in the comments here on YouTube. We would really like to hear what you have to say. Um, you know, if you think we're wrong about something, let us know. If you think we're right about something, let us know. We just want to see uh, what your theories are and what you think about the show. So... Uh, it'd be great to have a little community of uh, people talking about this, which uh, obviously we love to nerd out and do quite a bit. So thanks again, everybody. This is Will signing off. Our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0, creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0. <laughs>